Good morning, church. So, first time in 23 years I've worn a t-shirt to the pulpit. These are supposed to be parentheses, before you ask. Born twice. That'll come up in the message in just a little while. I had a teenager tell me that that means born to the second power, and I said, Amen. I was born in the power of the flesh the first time, and now I'm born by the power of the Spirit. So if you want it, if you want it that way, you can have it that way. Let's pray, can we? Father, we love you so much. And God, I just thank you for the power living on the inside of each one of us that claim your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. You have given us freedom. You've broken the chain of sin and darkness. And God, you love us. And it's all because of the cross and resurrection of Christ that we can come and celebrate your goodness this morning. So in light of that, Lord, give us ears and hearts that are ready to hear, ready to follow, ready to obey, and ready to be blessed because we're your kids. We need you, Lord. We've never needed you more. And so God, come, come in your power be our teacher, be our guide, and Lord, help us to walk out of here changed today because we met with the living Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it all. In his matchless name we pray. And all God's kids said, Amen. Amen. So how many of us have heard or seen the Bourne movies, the Jason Bourne movies? Come on, more than that. Let's go. Come on. You can admit it. Well, I want to talk about one scene within the Bourne movies, especially the Bourne supremacy, where Jason Bourne, played by Matt Damon, and his girlfriend Marie are living on a beach in India. Maybe you remember the scene. An assassin goes to India to kill Jason Bourne, but instead he ends up killing Marie and Jason Bourne survives the attack. Later, Jason Bourne goes to Berlin and he's there in a hotel that Pamela Landry is staying in, who's the head of the CIA group that he was after. She's registered in this hotel, and then she leaves, and so Jason Bourne follows in this taxi cab. He goes up to a building rooftop across from the office building she's at, and he's got a rifle, and he's got a scope, and he's got her in his sights. He calls her cell phone, and he says, Pamela, are you ahead of Treadstone? And she says, Jason, you know Treadstone's over with. And he goes, no, I don't. And then she goes, don't you remember you killed those two guys in Berlin? Don't you remember any of this? And so then Jason Bourne says, hey, I tell you what, I want to turn myself in. And she says, okay. He says, I'll tell you what, I want you to send that gal from Paris, who was a part of all this, to come and help me turn myself in. And so Pamela Landry says, well, what if I can't find her? And he says, she's standing right next to you. Right then, she realizes, oh my gosh, he's hiding somewhere where he can see me and I can't see him. Keep that story in the back of your mind as you open your Bibles with me this morning to Colossians chapter 3 as we continue in that verse by verse, line by line study of that epistle. Really quick, let's catch up where we were. And you might say, I've never heard a pastor ever before use a Jason Bourne in a sermon. It's okay. There'll be more to come. But last week in the book of Colossians, we studied the passage on let no one judge you because of your freedoms in Christ. 
The person who judges a believer's faith in Christ is basically saying that Jesus' death on the cross was not enough. And we learned that all the Old Testament stuff were just shadows of things to come, but Jesus is the substance. Then we learned something really odd that we cannot stop the behaviors of the flesh by the power of the flesh. Paul said denying those things does not prevent the flesh. It actually feeds the flesh because they're trying to stop it in their own power rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. We learn that as Christians, if we learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, we can enjoy a tremendous amount of freedom. If we're walking in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh and we can enjoy freedom. We can have freedom from worry, freedom from wondering if Jesus kicked us out of the kingdom and freedom from worrying if I'm ever good enough for God because I'm walking in His Spirit. And so today we start the second part of this epistle, the second part of the letter. The first part was mainly theology, just like Paul does in a lot of his epistles. And this second part is more practical applications. And so today we're going to learn about our new life in Christ that is hidden in plain sight. Our new life in Christ that, that is hidden in plain sight. And so Paul moves into this practical part of Colossians. And if you have your sermon notes there in your bulletin, Roman numeral one, set your mind. Set your mind. If your Bibles are open, Colossians chapter three, pick it up at verse one. Paul says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. So notice he says, if then you were raised with Christ. If then you were raised with Christ, set your mind. The, the word set is like point in a direction. Set your mind. And by the way, Paul is not questioning these Christians whether or not they're saved. The if here wasn't, it's actually a poor translation. I love the New King James, but actually if in this verse is not what it's meant to say. The, the new inspired version, the new international version says, Colossians 3, 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Instead of if, it's since you are. Since, as a response now, set your mind. Since you have. And think about what Paul's saying here. The statement here, raised with Christ, seems to point back to last week's sermon. Remember Colossians 2.12. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. There in your notes, J. Vernon McGee said, When Christ died, you and I died with him. He took our place. And when he was raised, we were raised in him. And now we are joined to a living Christ. Since you were raised. You see, what does this shirt mean? If you're only born once, you're going to die twice. That's bad news. You see, if you're only born naturally and never born again of God's spirit, you will physically die and then you will spiritually die as well. But if you're born twice, you only have to die once. You understand? If you're born physically, and I think all of us were born physically, 
I'm pretty sure. But if you're born again because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, though this body is going to wear out and more and more every day, let me tell you, glasses are proof of that, right? But though this body would wear out, I'm promised that though this tent dies, I'm going to live eternally with my king forever and ever and ever and ever and ever more. So if you're born once, you got to die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. We learned two weeks ago about how baptism identifies us with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 3. Paul asked a rhetorical question. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were actually baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, catch this, we should also walk in the newness of life. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Listen to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Coming out of the water, we said two weeks ago, represents new life in Christ. Going into the water represents our death. Coming up represents our new life in Christ. There in your notes. So if then you were raised with Christ, Paul is saying Christ should be the center of your life, which includes, by the way, your thought life. That's the hard one, right? Christ is the center of my life. Well, how's your thought life doing? Since we've been raised with Christ, since we have new life, let's focus our mind on him. Maybe you're like me, and I'm going to confess my sins to my brothers and sisters. There are some times that I don't control my thought life. Anybody else? No, don't, don't raise your hands. <laughs> we'll know how to pray for you. And I don't mean just the real carnal, fleshly stuff. I mean worry. I mean anxiety. I mean all these different things. And a thought comes in my mind. And see, I haven't sinned yet. No matter what the thought is, I haven't sinned yet. But then I play with it. And I roll it around. And I talk about it to myself. And, you know, an hour later, I find myself at 2 in the morning staring at the ceiling, all anxious and revved up about something that's probably never going to happen again. And that's called sin. It's called sin. Listen to what Paul said to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Catch this. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Why would God tell us to do something and not empower us to do it? If God tells us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, then he has given us the power to do just that. And see, we are raised with Christ, so seek heavenly things. According to Strong's Concordance, the word seek means to seek in order to find by Thinking, 
meditating, reasoning to inquire, to seek after, to aim for, seek. As Christ followers, our thought life should be thinking, meditating, reasoning, seeking after, aiming at, striving after things of heaven and not things of earth. Let me ask you another question. Those two in the morning sessions that you're staring at the ceiling, are you sitting there wondering what heaven's like? Or are you sitting there worrying about earthly things? Don't answer me. Keep that to yourself. But I guarantee you that most of us, if we're having sleepless nights worrying about something, it's not worrying. Gee, I wonder what I'll be doing before Jesus. I can only imagine. I mean, that's what I'm worrying about at two in the morning, right? Jesus, are you going to let me be a worship leader? Jesus, am I going to float on a cloud? No, what we're worrying about is what's going to happen with this or what's going to happen? How's God going to work this? Go to sleep, Rich. G. Campbell Morgan said, the believer is to seek those things which are above. And the word seek again marks aspiration, desire, passion. In order to seek such things, our mind has to be on such things. And then notice verse 1, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. There's a messianic prophecy in the Psalms I want to share with you out of Psalms 110 verse 1. It says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now I want you to notice all the caps in that, right? New King James. Anytime you see caps of your, anything like that, it's referring to God. Let me read this verse to you, break it down to you in the original language. First, the Lord is Yahweh, the proper name of the one true God. So Yahweh said to my Lord, which is Adon, master or king. So Yahweh said to my king, sit at my right hand. How's that? The right hand was always the position of power and might. Paul said in Ephesians 1.19, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. There in your notes, once Jesus completed the work of salvation, God the Father exalted him above all others by seating him at his right hand. Now let me give you the verse 2 out of Colossians of the King James Version. The old King Jimmy version of Colossians 3.2 says, Set your affection, set your affection on things Above, not things of the earth. Your affection, your heart. Set your heart, set your mind, your affection. This means to direct not only your mind, but your heart and everything you desire on heaven. Last week, I said, Wearsby said, the power of Christ in the life of a believer does more than merely restrain the desires of the flesh. It puts new desires within you. And remember what I said. This is what you should have went home with last week, that nature 
determines your appetite. If you've been given a new nature in Christ, you should have a new appetite. There in your notes, the Christian has the very nature of God within. And this means he has godly ambitions and desires. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship. You see, in my old life, my citizenship was California. And then it was Kansas. And now it's Oregon, right? That's where my citizenship was in my old life. But my new life, my citizenship is in heaven. I am simply a pilgrim here. I am simply passing through a land that does not belong to me. I am an ambassador of Christ. So therefore, when I say, I didn't get what I deserve, well, you don't get what you deserve here. If you got what you deserve, as Toby Mac would say, you'd be in hell tonight. That's a hard one, right? But this is not our home. And so why do we spend so much of our time and energy trying to save up in a world that is passing away? This is not our home. We're ambassadors. A pilgrim simply lives somewhere temporarily knowing that the world is not their home. Guzik said, because we were raised with Christ, we should act just as Jesus did when he was resurrected. And then he goes on to list. After his resurrection... Jesus left the tomb. So should we. We don't live in that old dead man anymore. After his resurrection, Jesus spent his time being with and ministering to his disciples. And so should we. Spend time ministering and serving one another. After his resurrection, Jesus lived in the supernatural power with the ability to do impossible things and so should we in the power of the Holy Spirit we can do impossible things after his resurrection Jesus looked forward to heaven knowing he would soon ascend there and so should we recognizing that our citizenship our real citizenship our real home is heaven and again since we have new life in Christ seek those things from your real home Why? Roman numeral two. Because you died and you are now hidden. Look at verse three. Paul says it very clearly. For you died, not almost died, you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So kind of like Jason Bourne. Told you I'd come back around to that. Your life as a Christian is hidden in plain sight in this world, right? I'm a new creation in Christ, so when someone sees me out on the street, they see me, but they don't see me, right? They see this, but they don't see the real rich. The real rich is Christ in me, the hope of glory. One of my favorite verses out of the New Testament is Galatians 2.20. On our website, this is the one I put down for my favorite verse. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself for me. You see, prior to our new birth, it isn't like I'm special. Prior to my new birth, just like all of y'all, I think that's how you say it, right? All y'all, if there's more than two. Just like all of us, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were all dead, all of us. But now I'm alive in Christ because I've accepted that free gift. And our life is now hidden with Christ in God. And again, because the world can see me, but it can't see the real me. 1 John 4, 4, the Apostle John said, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. But we're of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Wiersbe said the Christian life is a hidden life as far as the world is concerned because the world does not know Christ. Our sphere of life is not of this earth but heaven. And the things that attract us, catch this, and the things that excite us belong to heaven, not earth. That does not mean we should ignore our earthly responsibility. And I love the way that Warren Wiersbe says that. Not that we should move to a hippie commune and just wait till Jesus comes back and forget that there's a world out there. Rather, it means that our motives and our strength comes from heaven and not earth. And since our lives are in Christ and he is in heaven, our thoughts, our passions, our desires should all be on heaven as well. New Testament scholar A.T. Lincoln said this about our true identity being hidden. He said, by no means everything about Christian living is apparent, not only to outsiders, for whom much of it appears foolishness, but also to us ourselves, for whom there remains mystery and much questioning until the final revelation. There in your notes. Its hiddenness necessitates that Christians live by faith and not by sight, and therefore, without all the answers to the meanings of many events in life. Now, Sandra and I had a conversation. Never in 23 years have I asked my wife's opinion on a sermon because she's sitting in the congregation and I never want to, you know, she's got to be fed too. And so I've never asked her an opinion on a sermon ever. I just don't do that. But we did talk about this passage and she said, what does it mean to be hidden in Christ? What does that mean? I've never heard a good explanation. And so because of that, I'm already using four or five commentaries on the book of Colossians. I went to like an extra four or five. I searched and searched and searched. I mean, Guzik and Warren Wiersbe and, and Spurgeon and so many others. And I never did get an explanation that kind of filled that question, that void in me. The psalmist said in Psalms 57, 1, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until the calamities have passed by. After I read all these commentaries and prayed on it, I, I came up with two pictures I want to share with you about being hidden in Christ and see if one of these kind of resonates with you. Number one there in your notes. Think of an invisible suit 
with a built-in force field that blocks incoming projectiles from hitting a person. So, right? Superman. I should have wore a jacket, right? Then I could have opened this and went, <laughs> born twice. But think about a force field of a superhero, right? Hidden. You don't see that Superman has this built-in suit that protects him from all these projectiles coming. You see, when the enemy in the world look at Rich O'Toole, they think that I am wide open for flaming arrows. I mean, they're ready to go. There's Rich, send an arrow his way. Think about the shield of faith from, from the forum or God study that we did several uh, months ago out of the book of Ephesians. Remember, faith is taking God at his word, trusting in him. That's what faith is. So the shield of faith. Paul said, Ephesians 6, 16, above all, so uh, more important than anything else, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. We talked about it back then, but remember the shape of their shields allowed all these soldiers in a line to put their shields together and create this wall. And so as these flaming arrows would come, they could all hide behind that wall and the arrows would come and it would be put out and wouldn't affect any of them. Because our life is hidden in Christ, there is nothing designed that can harm us. But, however, therefore, when we operate in the flesh and in the power of the flesh, we can be harmed all the time by the world or the enemy. So what are some of the fiery darts that the world tries to throw? This is my list, and if you've got more, tell me afterwards, but lies. How about this one? Doubts. Any of you have doubts? Fears, insecurities, self-indulgence, self-reliance, temptations, all fiery darts. And for the Christ follower, our faith, our trust in him has the power to put out every one of those darts. So that was my first picture. Now here's my second picture there in your notes. Think of a father who's much larger than a little child standing in front of the child protecting them from anything trying to harm them. Think about this. If somebody went to hit one of my children when they were young, right? Think about this. I'm a child of the living God. My daddy's so much bigger than your daddy. <laughs> Something goes to hurt me and he just, because I'm hiding in the shadow of his wings. So those are the two pictures I came up with of hidden in Christ. And I'm sure there's a lot more and people have a, a, a better education than me come up with a lot more. But those were the two I thought of was, man, a force field in my clothing or a dad. Because being a father, I mean, I can relate. So since we've died and we've been raised to new life with Christ, Jesus now protects us because we belong to him. All right, Roman numeral three. And here's an awesome promise. We will appear in glory glorified. <laughs> whoa, whoa, look at verse four. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. <laughs> Notice first, when Christ, who is our life, 
For the follower of Jesus Christ, life began the moment you got saved. My life began in 1981. That's when my life began. And those of you who said, wait a minute, you're not that young. In Christ, yes, I am. (laughs) While Paul was waiting to be executed in a Roman prison, this is what he said. He said, for to me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. There in your notes, Christ is not outside of me, only as my helper. He lives in me. John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you've ever seen a grapevine, think about this. You realize grapes cannot grow on branches that have been removed from the vine. It's impossible. The vine and the branches, catch this, have one life. One life. The same life. And that's how we're joined to Christ in a living relationship. One life. His life is my life. Before faith, again, we were dead. But now, my life is joined with Christ. When Christ, who is my life, appears. And notice again, then you will also appear with him in glory. Wiersbe said, Christ is now seated at the Father's right hand. But one day... He's coming back to take his people home. Today would be all right. And when he does, we shall enter into eternal glory with Christ. When he is revealed in glory, so will you be revealed in glory. And how can you be so sure? Let me share a passage with you that you should have on your mirror, you should have on your refrigerator, you should remember this. The backdrop is, it's 1 it's Thessalonians, and Paul was writing to this church who had thought they missed the rapture and thought somehow that they weren't going to get heaven. And so Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow, catch this, like others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, come on, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then... We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will be with the Lord always. And verse 18, here's the command. Therefore, comfort one another with these things. Tell other people they need to hear. If you're so down on what's going on in the world, let me tell you verse 18. There's comfort. Jesus is coming soon. And when he does, we're going home. And Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Think about this. If God's coming, he's going to bring those who died with him. And when the rapture happens and Jesus rents open the sky and comes down and says, come up here. Today would be okay. 
And because we have this promise and it's yes and amen, don't sorrow when a Christian dies. It's sad. A Christian dies that you love and it's sad you're not going to see them anymore. But don't sorrow like those without hope. You're going to see them again. Come on now. Why are we so sorrowful like the world? The world's sorrowful because they don't have the promise that you have. And think about this. If the person that dies without Christ, they have no hope. But Paul very clearly says, but we have this hope. There in your notes, Paul was saying believers should have this hope. That when Jesus is revealed in his glory, we shall also be revealed in glory. And by the way, how does Jesus view me today? I'm so glad you asked. Paul also said in Romans 8.30, Moreover, whom he predestined, these also he called. Whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, catch this, it's past tense, he also glorified. Before. When? When I accepted Christ, he sees me glorified. Man, I've got some growing to do. I got some dents in my fender. How's that song go? And wrinkles. <laughs> I, I do. But when Jesus looks at me, he sees me in all of his glory. Man, look at that guy. He's glorified. He's already seated in the heavenly places. Wow. That's how God views us today. He's given us his glory. But the full revelation won't happen until we go home. But now my new identity is Christ. We should seek those things above. As new creations, our new spiritual life, set your mind, aim your mind, aim your passions, aim your heart at heaven where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Our thought life, meditations should be on Christ. So let's get practical this morning. Believers who have their lives hidden in Christ should be comforted. Jesus is coming. And I'm telling you, if you don't have that comfort, please let's talk. Because I don't want you to sorrow like others without hope. I want you to have that assurance that Jesus is coming and you're his. Allow me to suggest some practical steps for Christians whose lives are already hidden. I want to give you some practical steps. Number one there in your notes. Because our lives are hidden in Christ, we should be grounded in the word of God. Jesus, in John chapter 17, was praying for his followers and letting them know he was going to heaven. And as he's praying for his followers, he actually starts praying for his future followers as well. And this is what he said. John 17, 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Verse 17. Sanctify them. By your truth, your word is truth. You see, I need a guidebook because my imagination can run wild. I need a guidebook to ground me, to settle me. And so when some pastor says, I know the Bible says this somewhere, but I can't prove it by the word. Be grounded. Your word is truth. I need his truth. 
because my imagination and my flesh can come up with all kinds of goofy stuff. Number two, because our lives are hidden in Christ, we should be drenched in the spirit of God. Paul, Ephesians 5.18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word filled means controlled by, led by. Be filled. And by the way, it's a continual filling. It's not a one-time deal. It's a moment-by-moment surrender. Moment-by-moment, oh, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Every hour, I need you. i got to have you. And the moments I don't, that's where my peace leaves. And that's where my victory leaves. And that's where the promise of abundant life leaves. Because I'm not drenched, controlled by, directed by, filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three, because our lives are hidden in Christ, we should be devoted to the glory of God. Who gets the glory? The Lord Jesus Christ gets the glory for all of it. Because without him, you can do nothing. Number four, because our lives are hidden in Christ, we should know that we died with Christ. And again, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by, the, by faith in the Son of God, who not only loved me, but he gave himself for me. You see, God's way of dealing with the old life, so many people think that God gives you a facelift and some lipstick. No, he doesn't. God nails you to an old rugged cross. That's what he does with that old life. Because there was nothing inside of you worth value. The old life needs to be crucified with Christ so that Christ comes and lives within you. And then notice, nevertheless, I live. Christ rose from the grave so that we can live. We can live. Number five. Because our lives are hidden in Christ, we should know that Christ lives in us. What happened when I received Christ? He moved in. He moved in. He came and tabernacled inside of me. He lives in me. Number six, because our lives are hidden in Christ, we should count on his faithfulness. The life that I now live, I live by faith. How can I trust this Jesus? Because he's faithful. He will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's never going to fail me. He's faithful. Everything I need is in Christ. My whole life is in Christ. He does for me what I cannot do for myself. I can count on him for all things. I need nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall have want of nothing. Nothing. I have found the secret to living, and I hope you have too. What is it? Counting on the fact that Jesus lives in and through me. And if I'll get out of his way, man, life's sweet. Not I, but Christ. Everything I need is in Christ because he is my new life. And that's what Paul is saying. As Paul's in prison, writing to the Colossians here, he's like, look, look. My life is hidden in Christ. I've died. I've been crucified. Man, the promise of Christ in me, the hope of glory. There it is. That's all you need. 
What more? What good thing do you lack if Almighty God actually took up residence in you? Just get out of his way. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up. And every week we have some elders and their wives in the back. And this week we're a little shallow. We've had a lot of COVID cases and we have staff and then we have elders on vacation, all kinds of stuff. But we still have people who want to pray for you, who love you. And so if you have needs today, we're all hurting people in this world. Can I just tell you, this world is going to fail you if it hasn't already. And the day's young. It will fail you today. But we would love to pray for you. And so let me pray. Let us worship. And if there's something you need in prayer, please let us pray for you. Thank you for listening. And we hope that you are blessed. If you'd like to find out more info about our church or any other resources like sermon notes or things like that, you can check out our website at livingfaithclamath.com. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe or like us on whatever your favorite podcast app is. You'll find us at Living Faith Fellowship Klamath Falls. Again, be blessed. Be blessed.